Broadcasting live from sunny South Florida, this is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. Your KMA crew, the Italian scallion, Paul DeGracco, Alex Tavella, a.k.a. The Goat, and always telling it like it is, Honest Abe. I like to smoke them like the Winston Churchill. Good morning to all our loyal libertarians, uh, listeners and lovers of the leaf. This is Honest Abe here at KMA Talk Radio. We are broadcasting live from sunny and hot South Florida, along with my cohorts, as always, the man they deem the Italian scallion, Paul DeGracco, and the wonder that we call the goat, Alex Tavella. The wonder. Good morning, (laughs) gentlemen. What's happening? How are we doing? Good morning. Good morning. We're hanging out. We're having a good time here, man. You were a little late this morning, Paul. A little bit. We had uh, we had some neighbors over last night. The kids were playing outside. Then it got too buggy. We came inside, and I don't know. Somehow we just all had a couple of drinks. And oh, so you woke up? You started a late. Crazy. We did have a later start. Sounds today, like yeah. a wild night, Paul. <laughs> you know how it is. A wild night to the, the Grocos. Kids playing Pokemon, you know. God, are they still playing that? My son is obsessed with it all of a sudden. You know, it's interesting. Carmine, he doesn't play it, but he likes the cards. And he only likes the cards because he likes to take them to school and trade them with his friends. Um, But at Uh. six, he doesn't know really anything about Pokemon. Um, Just whatever card he likes or doesn't like. And the other kid likes or doesn't like. But I got a tip. Um, from one of the guys at GameStop where they sell Pokemon cards. And he was like, you know, listen, you buy these packs, you don't know what's in them. If you see a fancy-looking card, you might want to check it before your son goes and trades it away. It might be worth a couple hundred bucks that your kid trades away for a 50-cent, you know, Gukumon that he likes better. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of them. So let me ask A lot of the cards, yeah. Who your kids are relatively extremely young. Who exposed them to Pokemon? I don't know where they got it from, dude. I, not, they, they, don't any, to they don't go to out. any daycare or anything, do they? Oh yeah, your kids. Uh, Axel goes to Axel goes to preschool. Oh, so he's not. So right. he's gone to like a pre preschool and a preschool now. So I think that's where he picked it up. But our neighbor across the street is six, and he's really into it. So I, I think he kind of yeah, got into it. it. But when we were in New York. My, uh, I don't know what she is to me. My wife has a has a half sister that's younger. I guess she's my sister in law. That's she's thirteen, and her friends like are not into Pokemon anymore. And they gave Axel all of their cards, so we have like a thousand Pokemon cards. Well, so he's got like two binders. Full fancy of looking ones. That's that's what. Yeah, there are a bunch of fancy looking ones now. I'm like, oh crap! You gotta look. You gotta look. Paul might be retired by next week. You never know. Seriously, right? We have an original Pikachu. I'm sitting sitting on a million. Rookie card. Is, is, that, <laughs> yeah. really, is that really sitting on a million? Or are you just 
I mean, I don't know. Some of them are worth. No, I didn't know if Paul actually knew that or he's just talking about that. There are ones that are like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Insane. That are worth that much. Yeah, it's. I don't get it. I don't think any of the new ones are. But. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They're, they're into Pikachu, it, $720,000 at Golden wow. Card Auctions in February 2022. Oh That's God. like insane. But then again, you know, over half a million dollars of NFT sold this last couple of weeks. So what the fuck do I know? For about six fifty, yeah, right? No, absolutely, positively nothing when it comes to that. Not uh I just don't know. Gotta catch him, Paul. Gotta what? Gotta catch him. Gotta Paul. catch him, Paul. I just don't <laughs> know how you could park that kind of money on something like a Pikachu card and look at it every day and get anything out of it. I well, guess I guess you just gotta look at like, like you bought stock, Apple stock. Like a Pete, like art, dude, like baseball yeah. cards, like anything well, else. Art, I guess you could say you there's a value of looking at it, owning it, you know, whatever. I don't and, know. I, I mean, is there any look, if we're going for looking at value, is there anything really nope. right? You know, I can find something in a smaller price range to look at that would be pleasing to the eye, you know, outside of the investment value. Speaking of buying art. I heard that the you know lovely and wonderful uh, Stephanie DeGracco was auctioned off. <laughs> Buying art. You like that move? Was. Yeah, she'll nice, like that too. Nice big, big points. Big points. <laughs> how? Yeah, did, we. Uh, how did your wife get auctioned off? Was it like you know listen, hot date nice? Is she gonna have to go on a date with somebody now? The wonderful. No, God, thank God. Well, maybe I don't. I don't really know. Evan Darnell, the wonderful Evan Darnell, uh, invited us to uh, an axe throwing place for a benefit for the Red Meat Lovers Club. And Can I just interject for one second? The more we discuss this, sure. the more I just keep getting uh, like that Nicolas Cage movie. Which one? My, the, the one with his wife, where he sold his wife to James Caan. Indecent proposal. That wasn't Nicolas Cage. Was that's not Nicolas Cage. That wasn't Nicolas Cage. That was Demi You're Moore. talking about Indecent Proposal. No. That was Robert Redford, Demi Moore, and uh, Woody Harrelson. Yeah, Woody Harrelson. For and Robert dollars. Redford was the one that bought For a million dollars Demi for one Moore. night. Yep. But then she kept going back to him. I mean, dude, would you sell your wife for a million dollars for one night? A million? I don't have to do anything. I don't know. I can't say yes or no on here. I, th I think Paul does it in a millibeat. <laughs> what about in you? A millibeat. A million? Now, uh, honeymoon in Vegas is what I'm thinking of. I don't remember that one. Really? Oh, I never saw that one. Probably the same thing. Same, same. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, yeah. So so anyway, Evan Darnell so uh, invited us. We went. To this axe throwing place and he came up to me and he goes uh your wife's a psalm right i was like yeah he goes i'm gonna auction her off tonight you think Did she'd you be okay with that i'm like a is sommelier that like, is that like you know lingo for sommelier yeah, it's like, that's sommelier. what everybody calls sommeliers really? i never it's heard everybody that, i don't know that i i'm surrounded by industry people all the time all of stephanie's friends work in the restaurant industry 
So I, I, that's what I hear all the time. And that's what Evan said to me. Okay. And he said, somebody's doing a private A5 Wagyu tasting dinner. And we're auctioning it off tonight for eight people at the butcher shop that he works with. And he's like, I want somebody to pair the wines for the, for the people. So he's like, so Stephanie's in, right? I was like, uh, uh, you got to ask her, but sure. I, I'm sure she would be. He did. And she got auctioned off for 1500 bucks. Holy shit. You pimped your wife for 1500 bucks. Yeah, I guess no, so. You pimped your wife for nothing. Well, I, that's true. I did not she make. I, well, we gave it. We gave it to charity. Paul's a cuck. <laughs> the charitable donation. Did you at least? Did you at least finagle yourself a, an invite to the dinner? Nope. No, no. Oh gosh. I wasn't. I wasn't bidding on it. As soon as the bidding got, although fifteen hundred bucks for eight people for for wagyu taste, it's actually not a bad, not a what, bad rate. But once, the, once one bottle of wine. Right? No. What? That's not even. Not every person in the glass. Doing a pairing, she's picking the same number of wines for three people as fifteen people. Yeah, I'm sure. The work's no different. The the crowd is bigger. She's just like an added bonus to the whole dinner. You know, like they didn't just pay fifteen hundred bucks for her. Oh, the whole package went for fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's like a big difference. Yeah, I, know. I, I, I misunderstood yesterday when we started. Yeah, that's a huge difference. You may just think that someone paid $15 just to have her as an add-on to this dinner. No, 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 no. That's that's for the whole thing, the whole package. So, so don't lie. Go ahead. Who threw axes way better? Because I had to put my money on Steph. 100% Stephanie. <laughs> you know what? I was good at throwing them. I was not good at getting them to stick. I, I, I got a couple bullseyes. I know. I got a couple of bullseyes. The weird thing is I've done this before, but not like at one of these axe throwing places. When we were kids, we would go in my buddy's backyard and throw his dad's machete and and axes at the tree. Just out of curiosity, right? Being that you don't get them to stick, what exactly makes you flying back? I know. I know. I got a bunch to stick. Like, I, I I got a good like ten he, he to felt, stick. He felt accomplished that the the axe was able just to hit the bullseye area. I threw it hard. It was loud. <laughs> you know, I had Stephanie had like 15, 15 bullseyes. Jesus, I had an experience this morning, and, and I I'm just curious if I'm the only one that goes through this. I gotta okay. I gotta play this out for you. Morning, All right? You go. Get yourself a cup of coffee, Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, whichever one, you know. But a hot cup, only a hot cup. This does not count towards cold or iced coffees. You get yourself an ice, uh, a hot coffee, Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, the lid's on it, right? You open it up, pop the thing. Before you take that first sip, there's a, there's a few seconds of dread, fear, anxiety, Right? You don't know if that first sip is going to like completely burn your face off and vaporize okay. your entire, and then you sip it and it's and it's good and you can continue on with. Is that does anybody else get that? I think that's an Alex Tavella ordeal. Really, you never burn. Yeah, I'm never your face afraid off to sip it. my coffee. Oh, okay. First off, Dunkin' Donuts really seldom ever has nuclear coffee. You're lucky sometimes if you get it hot from Dunkin' Donuts. Well, this Dunkin' Donuts for sure. Yeah. 
Um, oh, the one by know, the I, shop there. I yeah. Roll a little bit, and I think it's small. <laughs> but you want to know what? I I think I'm. I I just drink hot hot. Like my dad like drinks boiling water. Like when he goes to Starbucks, he tells them the temperature that they need to have it at because they can never. Make it hot. <laughs> no, he knows. It. I forget the number, but he knows it. Like he says, make sure it's this hot. He just drinks boiling water, man. Tea. Like if it, it ain't still bubbling from coming out of the kettle, it ain't hot enough for him. It's crazy. Wow. Crazy. So maybe maybe it just doesn't phase me, but I yeah, I, no, I, I, I dread I dread that first sip. You never know. Taste buds gone for the day if it's too hot. No. I seldom I seldom buy coffee, to be honest. I, I usually just make it in the house here, but that's because I never leave my house. I never really got into coffee until after I moved Brandy moved in my house. Our house, no. Is that true? Yeah, I never were a coffee guy at all. No, all through college, I drink two liters of sodas. I had to stay up late, Mountain Dew. I never, never got into coffee. And then when we were living together, when we were dating, you know, like Brandy was like, she has to have a cup of coffee before she breathes in the morning. Oh, yeah. You were a Mountain Dew guy? It was the highest caffeine, Mountain Dew at the time. You know, sorry, does that surprise you? I, yeah, it actually, it does because Abe's kind of weird with stuff, and like for me, like with food, like if you if I can't equate the color of it to anything natural in the world, <laughs> <laughs> and Abe's kind of like with stuff, so I'm surprised Mountain Dew, but I get it based on the caffeine. Yeah, it was like, a- Abe has a sweet tooth though. Abe has a sweet tooth. He likes sweet drinks once in a while. I notice. Oh no, like, I like that sweet tea that you drink. No teas. I like, yeah, I like sweet drinks, but I mean, um. I, like, like I like I don't like diet flavored stuff. I just I'm tuned off to the diet flavor, and um, but like I don't like sweet drinks. Like like my when we go to Starbucks, my oldest daughter will order this frappuccino. I'm like Jesus Christ, what is that? Yeah, it's too much. I mean, it's like ice it's cream scoop, much. whipped cream, caramel. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, that stuff I can't do. Never. That's the only way my wife drinks coffee. It's the, it's the most it's disgusting thing ever. It's not coffee at that point. It's really not. It's ice cream with a drop of a drop of yeah, coffee. It's in like, it. Yeah. You know. But, you know, there was There's a time, a I can't remember, where I was driving her to work and dropping her off. So we were going to work together in the mornings, you know, and like, we'd be late. Now, if I'm late, I'm not opening up the store. So they were like, she'd be late. And we'd be driving, like, no, no, stop and get coffee. So we're late, babe. And she, I don't give a shit if she was 30 minutes late. She had to stop and get that coffee in the morning. I never understood that for me. It was completely insane. And it wasn't until. Or else the rest of her day is ruined. Yeah, it wasn't until like. Three, four years later, because then she started making me cups of coffee in the morning, whatever. And now I, don't, I can't function with a cup of coffee in the morning. But that yeah. didn't happen until close to th- my early 30s. Well, it's funny because when I first moved to Florida, my I moved in with my wife and her two roommates for a brief period of time before we got our own place. But none of them drank coffee. There wasn't a coffee pot there. And then I finally bought a coffee pot and I found beans coffee beans in the freezer and i was like oh my god perfect there's coffee here i can i can have coffee and then i was subsequently yelled at by her roommate because those were her very expensive coffee beans for her coffee <laughs> enemas what <laughs> you know, apparently she used to uh grind the coffee brew a pot of coffee none of them drank it but she would then go in the bathroom and give herself a coffee enema so she boofs the coffee? Yeah. But hey, what's funny is they, they, I think they weren't drinking coffee because like there's too much caffeine. And I'm like, with the, it goes directly into your bloodstream when you put it up your ass. I, but wait, yeah, it does. Absolutely. 
Now, um, I'm just curious, did the thought yeah. that that coffee was being used for enema just change how you felt about that cup of coffee in any way? No, I still drank it. She wasn't so. a bad looking girl. I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't drinking the coffee that she was putting up there. No like, shit, well, I guess Paul. later it could have been. Disgusting fuck. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Did you ever find out? Did you investigate? Was there a special reason for that or? Yeah, a lot of people do it. I, I've, I've what? researched it online since. They grind what? it up. Coffee enemas are a thing. What? Like, they, they grind, grind it up. up. They, they brew a pot of, they brew a pot of coffee. And, and while boom. it's still warm. Yeah. Yeah. They, they put it up their butt. What, what like a like a like a like a, a beer like what's that thing called no, like the way you right. normally do an enema yeah it's that thing like called that, the, what is the that thing the beer, the weird, with the two oh, the, the, yeah, 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 up there suitcase yeah like you do a normal enema like with I don't know how you do a normal fucking enema I don't know how you do a normal enema either hot Paul seriously holy shit but show, yeah, yeah, she used to pour hot coffee up her ass. This this show just went sideways. You got we got to get sound bites, Alex. She poured hot coffee up his ass. If that's not a sound bite, I don't know what is. We got to clip these clips. She poured hot coffee up her ass. <laughs> and wait, and who was this person? And how were you? Stephanie's friend. It was her roommate. Actually, believe it or not, it was a girl we went to high school with. But now she's uh, she lives up in Maine on a on basically on a commune. Well, that's not a very weird situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess not. Speaking of weird situations, you know, Jeff Groover stopped by and visited last week. He recommended a show to me. It has to be one of the weirdest. Now, I'm not saying it's enjoyable. I'm be laughing my ass off, but it has to be one of the weirdest written shows I've ever seen. Is, is, is either of you heard of or watched any of Black Monday? Just from no. you yesterday. Yeah, so Black Monday is on Showtime. And it's kind of cool and creative, right? It's it's a it's a parody kind of uh, of Black Monday, the, the, the world crash of 1987. And, um, you know, it kind of claims no one ever really knows what caused it. And this first season basically creates a fictional setting of of uh what caused black monday and it's your typical 80s stuff they're all doing coke wolf of wall street shit you know you know probably even maybe to the next level um don Cheadle's hilarious his character is fucking funny as shit um but the first season was like your wolf of wall street type of movie you know shit going on in wall street they got the lehman brothers there and the fictional things and then by the second season you think you're watching scarface <laughs> no, I'm serious. Complete 180. And then this last season, which I just finished, it was like you're watching scary movie. Huh. I mean, I've never seen any show across three seasons where the whole setting and everything about what the what previous season was about kind of changes. It, it, it's really very weird. Enjoyable. Some of the funniest shit I've seen, some great writing, some great acting. But weird, weird show. I don't have What's Showtime anymore. Actually, uh, it's on Showtime. Yeah, Showtime. Yeah, I'm just. I just want to find some, some. See if somebody else has watched it. I want to see what they think about it. But it's it's a very 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 odd show. I don't you know? I think people are still stuck on the coffee enema. 
Yeah, right. there's still a lot of comments about the coffee. A lot of comments about coffee still coming in. I was trying to change the subject <laughs> oh. pretty quick. Yeah, that, that is true. Transition. Yeah, well, the problem is going down 500 it. points where it's at where it was at at the time. The, right, the, compared to that, the yeah. percentage of the drop that, that crushed it. People were jumping out of windows. Um, huh. But, yeah, like when I was watching the first season, because usually me and my wife find something cool to tell each other about. When I was watching the first season, I was telling my wife, Oh, uh, you got to put this on your list. You know, I, I, you know, to get to eventually, this show's pretty good. And then by the second you... season, and like every season, I told my wife, mm, I want to hold up, put it on your list. I don't know. It just got weird. Very weird show. Do you watch TV with your wife ever? Like, do you watch shows together? You know, we used to a lot. Um, but our, we, with the kids and work, it, we, it, we just seldom. Like see. your watch times. You're on opposite schedules. Yes. Yeah. Most of my TV watching goes when I finally lie down and go to bed. I literally, I, I lay my iPad on the coffee table because I'm a side sleeper. I put an AirPod in and I watch until I pass out. You right. know, and that, that's pretty much how I get most of my TV. And sometimes if I have a really bad week and I'm really tired, it takes me over a week to watch one episode that's one hour long because I can fall asleep 15 minutes, 10 minutes into the show every, every day, you know. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, and, and like when I get home where I would have time, yeah, maybe for an hour or two to watch some TV or kids got homework or violin or she's doing something right. with them or, or she's finally catching up on her own shit because she's running around with the kids all day. So we used to do that a lot when we were, you know, before we had kids, we watched lots of series together, like like marathon weekends and we do it and we don't we don't get to watch a lot of TVs. If we time something right, like last night, I, uh, we're, I guess we really like uh, C. It's on the Disney Channel. It's with um, Jason Momoa. It's about like a, a post-apocalyptic world where everybody's blind. They've lost their sight. Oh, I've heard about this. It's actually really good. I guess the new season started, but she wanted me to start it. But I had two episodes left of Black Monday. And it was just too conflicting for me to start a whole new series. And I had two episodes left of one I was already knee-deep in. So, But but the good thing about Brandy is, like, so now today's Saturday. I bet you she, like she'll rewatch the first episode if I come home and you know want to watch it tonight. So certain ones we will watch together, and just certain things we can't. But it's mostly a timing thing. What about you, Alex? Do you guys ever watch together? Um, I don't really watch a lot of TV, so not really. But we did. I think I got one episode left. We did watch The Offer together, which was very, very good. Told you, very, okay. very good. Yeah, I very. Because I know Alex is picky, I very tell them I very seldom yeah, 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 but watch anything. But that there's was one some now you need to watch this. It's worth watching. Have you seen the offer, Paul? No. You have What's it to. on. Yeah. It's on Paramount Plus, yeah. and it's essentially a limited series that is based on the making of The Godfather and all the crazy. Oh yes, yes. I've heard about it. I have not. Yeah, very it's good. A, very well it's done. a must watch. You have Paramount streaming? You have the Paramount streaming app? Listen, you sign up. I think I have it. I think I have a bundle. It's like Disney, ESPN, and I think because I had ESPN and like the other two cost me an extra okay. dollars. Listen to me. Um, the, the offer is a phenomenal thing to watch, even if you're not a Godfather fan. Yes. If you're a Godfather fan, it just makes it all that much better. Anybody who's a Godfather fan has to watch it. Who's your story. favorite character, Abe? You know that's the problem with that. It's 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 um, it's got a lot of great 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 characters. I mean, it's very well. I, I just I, I mean, love Bob. I love Bob Evans. 
Oh, Bob, you, you know what? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Not only Bobby, but I've seen that character in a, in a couple other shows he in. His portrayal of Bob, you know, that was that was a series that I spent more time reading about it. That's I was looking guys up, looking up that guy. And, and, and you know, Bob Evans' story was sad. You know, he had a whole drug trafficking issues and problems that happened later in life. But his portrayal of like that was the typical that that's where the stereotypes of any Hollywood producer. Yeah, was. yeah, and it was so good. He did it, it was so, so well. good. I don't even and know the guy's was, name that played him. He was he was brilliant. Um I love well. I like him as a character. The guy who played um, Jesus Christ, my head's the mob boss. Uh, uh, Giovanni Ribisi. Yes, yes. He's. I, I like him as an actor. There's another series uh, called Sneaky Pete on Netflix. Um, he's really, really good. But no, you're you're right, Bob Evans. Um, but but I even liked the guy who played uh, a Blood's uh, Bloodhorn. Yeah, he Bloodhorn. was good too. Yeah, it, it was really, really, it was really, great. really good series, man. It was very well, well done. Well written, and you know, when you see Francis Ford Coppola uh, being all whiny about something, or Mario Puzo, you, you just gotta wonder, like, you know, that's kind of probably how it really went down, right? You know? the, the artsy, right? artistic right? guys and can't get their way, absolutely. Yeah. The only thing that sucks about series like that is like there's kind of no room for another season. No, no, it's a true story. Yeah, yeah. and the guy who played Pacino was good. He was eerily Pacino-ish. He really was. He, he was, was like an eerily eerie like you would expect of a young Pacino. Yes, yes. So no, definitely, definitely. Uh, if you haven't seen the, I got to check it out. Top, 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 top thing to get on your list. I mean, like I said, even if you're not into the Godfather, no, the it's, yeah, they, it's so good. They, you know, Kevin, I can't believe you said that because I wigged out because my wife said the same thing. So. I actually made her watch The Godfather. And, and did she know, like it? Because I have to make my wife watch it. Okay, you, you definitely will it. appreciate it. My wife didn't see what all the fuss was about. But, uh, you know, here's the thing, too, what people don't understand. They don't realize what it took, how many, how many things that making that movie broke in Hollywood, the mm-hmm. longest-running time movie ever, didn't release in a holiday thing. There was a lot of things that that movie broke the the, the norm for in the movie industry, and then still became an, one of the most epic movies of all time. So, um, I think the ratings were an issue too at one point, right? Because there were too many curses, so they wanted to give it an NC seventeen or something. In no, the no, that never came up in the series. There's, there's no cursing in The Godfather. Zero. Maybe it's the gut, the the violence. Yeah, I remember, some, I remember seeing an interview yeah. with Coppola or hearing an interview with Coppola saying that they they weren't able to get the rating that they wanted. You know, it was interesting though. There was a part, like an educational part, I never even thought of it when they were arguing about the time of the movie and the reason that the time was so important, especially back then, because you don't think about it. Was I could if it's a three hour movie, I'm cutting off a whole show time in a theater because it runs too. I can only get four show right. times instead of five. I mean, yeah. Right. Yeah. You get a ma- you get a, you get a max of three to four instead of the standard five, right. depending on the movie theater hours. Right. I mean, it was set up to fail in so many ways. I mean, as to how things were how things were released, but great, 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 great movie. I think some thinks you literally had Casey. I need I need a I think some thinks. Oh, Eric, appreciate it. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Oh, boy. In retrospect, 
because I wasn't sure how to make Brandy watch it. Do I make her watch The Godfather first or The Offer first? Right? Wasn't sure what would be the order. Because knowing the movie helps you appreciate the show a lot more because you know what they're talking about. Yeah. Right, but, right. But in retrospect, if I made her watch The Offer first, I think she would have a 10 times deeper appreciation when watching the movie. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So. Anyways, that's enough movie talk and enema talk for the morning. We, we've kind of <laughs> covered all bases here covered, this morning. We covered a lot of bases this morning. So uh, let's get on and get our special guest on here and start our Meet Your Maker segment. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. It's time to meet your maker. Joining us live somewhere in the woods of uh, New Hampshire is Mr. Kurt Kendall from 724 Cigars. Welcome once again, Kurt. Hey, guys. Good to see you. Thanks for having me on. Never thought you'd start your morning talking about coffee enemas, do you? Did oh, you? Uh... I usually do a lake water enema. <laughs> <laughs> Getting out is, of it, is it me? Is it just my end? I'm having trouble hearing Kurt. I'm not making you louder now. That's what I'm doing. You're sounding better now. Get a little closer. There you go. There you go. There you go. So so is this your place of residence? Yes, it is. Uh Oh, Kurt, we might be losing the signal out there. Oh, wow. Are we really? Did we lose the signal? Are we all right? No, you're good no, now. You're just freezing up for for a little bit there. Yeah, sorry about that. No, you're coming it's in real good inside, now. outside. I didn't know where to go, so I, I I give it a try. I don't I don't have a lot of uh, technical experience. That's why I checked in with Paul two hours early this morning to make sure we could get it right. <laughs> he told me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want any problems, but I've never done a coffee enema, or have I ever seen The Godfather? So. You know, it's you like, too? oh my God. Yeah. I'm going to have to get together with Brandy and maybe watch it together in your theater room. Yeah, that I don't have. But I am shocked. I can't believe you haven't watched it. Man, I, I tell you, it shocks me every time I hear it. He's literally got yeah, like, the car from The Godfather behind him. I mean, seriously. <laughs> Actually, yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let me see it. Yeah, look at that. That's a beauty. What is that, Kurt? That's a 39 Ford. Uh, it's a business coupe. That's kind of like my daily. I have two antique daily drivers here at home and uh, an old pickup and that old car. So I get up in the morning. I pick one. It's kind of like uh, it's what I love and enjoy to do. And uh, it's always kind of like a reward to me to have something like that to, uh, you know, as hard as we try to work. That's my uh, my peace and sanity and makes everything worthwhile now you've been on the show a couple times so i don't want to do a deep dive but i'm sure there's a lot of people who who, uh, may be hearing about you or meeting you for the first time so let's just do a quick like recap because i mean you're you're, the brand 724 is celebrating its 150th anniversary obviously you don't look anywhere near 150 years old though it might take me 150 years to grow a beard that long um what did you do before you got in the cigar business you know, honestly, uh, I have uh, very little education. 
I was I was really just a laborer most of my life, uh, a basic worker, and I was a hustler. I've been a entrepreneurial hustler my whole life. Whatever it took to try and make ends meet, make a few bucks, pay the bills. Sometimes not pay the bills. You know, it's uh, I've always done the best I could. But right before getting into the tobacco and cigar world, I had a little excavation company. So I'd go around, do site work, job site cleanups, demolition, tear houses down, whatever I could do with the little bit of equipment I had. I've chased some hurricanes and wow. uh, fun stuff. But that's where I learned to enjoy cigars, you know, operating equipment. And uh, it really made the day fly by, and it was uh, so relaxing. I'd get at the end of the day, I'd be like, "Wow, that day wasn't so bad." And you know, I had two cigars, or plowing snow, or whatever it was. It was. It always made the, everything much more enjoyable. And what? What? I mean, you see him smile when he started talking about enjoying the cigars for the day. He lit up. Yeah. What? What? Where did the leap come from to say, "All right, this is something I want to start to do for for a living." Well, it's, I have a twin brother named Kevin Kendall, and uh, we would get together. He lived in Connecticut. I lived in New Hampshire. We would meet in Boston on occasion, go down to the North End, have a good meal. And one of those trips, it was, hey, you want to try a cigar? And we sat outside of a Cafe Victoria, which is a coffee shop, in right in uh, the heart of the North End of Boston. And we had a we smoked Fonseca cigars. And it was like, wow, this is really good. I was thoroughly enjoyed it. And, you know, that you see this face right now, the uh, the thrill of that and the enjoyment really gets me every time. Even now, I'm, I've been smoking Connecticut cigars lately uh, or Connecticut wrapped mild cigars, and it brings me right back to those days. So that's kind of what brought me to the smoking. And uh, and the, the thought of maybe opening up a cigar shop together with my twin brother and uh getting back together as uh, twins and uh, maybe entering on another entrepreneurial uh, adventure together, which unfortunately didn't work out. And uh, I ended up just doing it on my own. But you still called the shop twins. Yeah. Our, our cigar shop is called twin smoke shop. And uh, we, we opened that in uh, June, 1997. But we just uh, kicked off our 25th anniversary year. You know what I find interesting in my career? Guys like Kirk Kendall, who I, I remember from very early on in my career, right? And for whatever reason, and there's three or four guys like this in this industry. For whatever reason, I remember like my impressions mentally when I first met guys like Kirk, whatever, that I had felt like they'd been in the business way before me. But years now, later, when we talk about it, like, man, we got in the business at the same time. Like yeah. literally the same time. I mean, literally the same year, but for whatever reason, when I first met him, he, I just had that impression that he had been in the business for a long time, like way before me. But it was, I find out that's not the fact later on. It was just the maturity coming from me. and uh, It was. I was young and green, had no clue. I guess, you know, some guys just had that appearance of, you know. Well, I mean, listen, when I first met you, um, okay, so 97, you started the, the retail shop, correct? Yes. When did you start the brand? I, I started kicking the tires on the brand probably about 17 or 18 years ago. And just kicking it around from what I've learned and experienced from uh, some antique collecting 
and realizing this is an old historic brand right from my backyard in New Hampshire. The brand started in 1874 in Manchester, New Hampshire. And uh, here I am, a, an avid advertising and antique collector running across some of the memorabilia from that. So I started kicking it around uh, as I was traveling on trips with like Rocky Patel or Christian Aroa. We'd go to the factories and in the back of my mind, I got this 724 brand and recognizing uh, the historical, you know, importance of it and that it's not in business anymore. And as I visited these factories and saw the process of how cigars are made and how tobacco is grown, I really just had the passion to bring it back to the market. And all oh, the wind's picking up here. Oh, uh, kind of how the brand started. I think we uh, got our first order of cigars about 15 years ago. And uh, basically, I started as uh, an exclusive brand for Twin Smoke Shop. Was that your intention in making it? Was it to just do one exclusively for the shop, or was your intentions to try to make it a national brand somewhere in the back of your head in the beginning? I don't think it really was. It wasn't my intention right off the bat. It was just to, to bring the brand back. I really had no idea what I wanted to do with it. I just knew that it deserved to come back and uh, be back on the shelves. And uh, shortly after that first batch came out and friends are reaching out and People are smoking it, and it's getting on the internet. It uh, it started becoming a possibility, and friends started asking, "Hey, can we carry some?" And that that's how it got started. I'd say about a year and a half later, I went to my first. Uh, at the time, it was RTDA trade yeah. show, yeah, and uh, showcased it. Was that the? Was that? Did you have your classic car at your first show? What are your classic cars? You know what that that car behind me was the backdrop of the 10 by 10 display that i had so it was me sitting next to this car which is coincidental today as that i thing remember that me. i remember that wow so who, who did you go to to actually make the brand for you at the time well i had talked to several people and i wasn't really i didn't have a lot of experience you know, I'm a brand owner. I'm not a cigar maker. I'm not a blender. I really needed some guidance. I needed somebody to give me a hand. And uh, the first person, you know, I talked to several people with possibilities, but the first real person that uh, came to me and started making a plan was a gentleman named David Topper. And uh, at the time, Dave worked for Alan Rubin and offered to give me a hand with getting this project uh, going. So we, uh, Dave and I, I always considered him my partner, although he was never financially had a stake in it because him and I worked on the brand from day one at, until it got to the market and right up through uh, January this year when David retired. Now, David, for many years, was a sales rep and whatnot, but his, his family had their own lines they sold too, didn't they? Yes, uh, I believe David was in the business his whole life where, with uh, Topper Cigars and his grandfather right. and father and his brother Chris. His brother Chris still owns the brand. And uh, as David got out of the Topper brand, he became sales representative, I believe, for companies like Ashton and Fuente, and then later on became a broker. Yeah, so his family had experience in, in, in some cigar manufacturing. Yeah. 
Yeah, they were the, the true broadleaf family. They were the ones that had all these, and they still do have the, uh, they're being from Connecticut and the New Haven area, I believe. They always had all the connections to the broadleaf, Connecticut broadleaf with those uh, copper cigars and the Rosedales, I believe they had. Now we mentioned that this is 150 years of the brand 724. Um, do you have anything special lined up to celebrate? Well, we do. It's actually uh, right at the tail end of the 148th year, so we're we're planning oh. it. Now. It started oh. in 1874, and uh, we're planning the 150th anniversary now. I'm communicating with uh, some pretty cool cigar makers to uh, give me a hand in this venture. I can't say much right about it now because uh, I'm not ready, but I anticipate having some really cool stuff coming out. Cool. We'll uh, we'll definitely touch base before before that, so we can give everybody the scoop on what's going on on your 150th uh, anniversary that we're a couple of years early for. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> well, hold Thanks. on. I I, wa- I wish Coop was on the show today because I got in Coop's article from the the 2022 IPCPA or PCA show. He IPCPA. said that they were in their hundred. That's not even the right old term. Ever was. Christ. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, he wrote that they're in their 150th year. Yeah, well, twins, twins in their 25th year, and uh, that 150th is coming right up. We'll show it off the RTPCA. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, are you doing anything for the for the 25th anniversary? Now you have two retail shops now, yes. Yes, we have two retail shops, one in Londonderry, New Hampshire, one in Hooksett, New Hampshire. Uh, one of them we call our headquarters. It's uh, about a 10,000-square-foot building. That's huge. We have a big retail store, lounge, full bar, and uh, we do a lot there. We got a big rooftop patio. and yeah, We do have a lot of things coming up, and we have a lot of cigars being made for Twin Smoke Shop by a lot of these same big manufacturers and uh and friends and uh, we're we're also planning a cigar dinner in the original factory in manchester new hampshire so that's in the works right now they Wait, have a original factory dinner. still standing it still stands yes and uh, a good what friend of mine owns the building it's in manchester on know, what's the building what are they doing they're not making cigars in it no it's a really high-end office building it's a and they're beautiful gonna you, building. they're gonna let you use that building to do a cigar event oh yeah yeah uh, kudos to you. Yeah, back in 2015, I made a, an exclusive cigar for the owner of that. So it was a very uh, monumental moment for me as I we made a cigar, we repackaged it for his company, and then I walked into the 724 factory with these cigars. It was... Uh, but, but it's not a factory anymore. It's an office building. It's an office building, but it still looks like it. It still looks the same as the pictures right. you all might have right. seen. The signage is still up. What yeah, kind of, wait, in, wait, the 724 signage is still on the building? Oh, yeah. Still up. Okay, hold on. This is an office building that has nothing to do with cigars, right? No. And the brand... It's a historic, uh, you know, site. Historic now. landmark. Okay. Yeah, so landmark. What, what kind of business does this guy run? What, what Is it just... He rents out office space to various companies, or are they all his offices for his business? No, he owns... Uh, it's called GYK Antler, and it's a big marketing company. Mm. And he markets big uh, 
like Pepsi and big companies like that. And he, he uh, his grandfather, after the cigar factory closed, his grandfather opened up a shoe factory in that same building. Wow. That's a long story, but he was uh, intrigued by the building and ended up buying it and bringing it back. But now that it, it still has all the 724 markings. Is, you, is this it? That's no, it. That's what I was just doing. That's what it looks like today, yes. And it's funny because there's no, it has nothing to do with cigars in that whole building, but it's still up there. That's great. Um, Very cool. I have, I have you, another one, too. Oh, look at that. That's cool. Yeah, so if you see that parking garage Abe, to the right, yes. that concrete structure. Yes. We went to the factory one day to do a photo shoot. And we couldn't figure out how to incorporate the building with, uh, you know, some old cars for our ads and stuff. So my photographer said, hey, look, there's a parking garage at the fifth floor of that. So we drove all the way to the top of that concrete structure and we used the factory as the backdrop from there. So those pictures you mentioned earlier about with the car that was filmed or photographed right at the top of that back uh, car parking garage. Any, any dream or desire to ever acquire that building? No, I don't think so. You know, as much as I enjoy uh, owning some property, it's uh, I don't think I have it in me to take on a place that size. That's huge. It has been brought up to maybe uh, put a cigar lounge in there in the past. But, really? Yeah. That, I think that would be awesome. That would be awesome, yeah. That really would be. Uh, out of respect for a mutual competitor of mine who was about three blocks away, I actually declined the opportunity Oh wow! Uh, it, although it was a hard decision to make, it was. Uh, I just I, I couldn't do it. I'm not that type of businessman. Kudos to you, man. I hope they're appreciative and they know. Me too. <laughs> well, they watch the TV, <laughs> they know now. They don't even know about it. So <laughs> that's classy of you. When yeah, the that was the largest manufacturer of cigars in the world. That factory, they made advertised 80 million cigars a year they had uh 12 to 1500 employees and it it was open around the clock there's so wow. much history in new hampshire about that and everywhere you go you talk i talk to people that's fathers or grandfathers work there grandmothers a lot of people from belgium and uh different countries all came and uh just to work there i've had people reach out to me from the family and from families of people that work there from Belgium. They've sent me postcards and letters. It's really cool. You know, the, the Sullivan family has, I've actually gotten some of them together that didn't even know each other from the cigar brand that have met at our headquarters to uh, kind of reunite and talk uh, Sullivan. Pretty cool. Is all his office floors used up? Does he have full occupancy or does he have vacancy? I'm not sure. He has the first two floors, which is which is renovated spectacularly. And he's got a really large deck and a big yard. So that's, we're planning a, a kind of a warm up dinner there uh, this spring. And then part of the 150th celebration will be held at that factory on a larger scale, you with, know, uh, you know, big time. What would kind of be cool if, if he had ever had a floor that was vacant or, you know, an area, it would kind of be cool to build a little historical museum on one oh, of those floors. Yeah find a lot of the old equipment that was actually used. I bet you the city or town has grants and stuff that would help you even pay for it. And, you know, anybody Apply coming to town could tour the factory or could tour 
the museum, learn about the brand, learn about cigars. Great to promote your current brand. I think that. I mean, what they do in J.C. Newman in Tampa is insane. I mean, it's it's a great tour. I actually told them they should get on Vider because anybody who travels, you, you know, TripAdvisor, Vider, where you look up and you can book stuff. Tourists would eat that up, even if you weren't a cigar smoker. You know, just to see, walk through, you know, how things have been done and how they're doing it now. They're still, it's great history, but you should try that, man. I bet you that would go over uh, great over there. There's some great photographs from all the rollers, all the different departments. There's so much cool stuff that we could use, plus all the things we've collected over the years from uh, signage and umbrellas and presses, ashtrays, all kinds of cool stuff. Well, there's I so many stories. I hope you do it. I think it'd be a great idea for you. Yeah, I think you're right. And you I tie it right into the building that's still there. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better situation. I, I think it. I think it'd go over great. So, Kurt, you started out with your one line. How many lines does 724 brand have today? Well, we have five lines right now that are in regular production. We've made a few special editions and things like that, but we have five lines. We have our original series. We have our 1874 series. We have a, a factory 57 series, which was the, the factory designation for paying the uh, taxes to the federal government. <laughs> we have a series called the Hustler and a WK series, which is uh, pays tribute to my son, William. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Um, are, are all your cigars made at the same factory? Actually, we have four manufacturing partners, so it's a it's a lot to juggle. It's a lot to uh, manage and take care of. Our original series is now made by Jesus Fuego in Nicaragua. Our eighteen seventy four factory fifty seven and the Hustler series is made by the Placencia family in two different factories, one in Honduras, one in Nicaragua, and then our WK series is made by uh, in, at Raices in uh, Honduras as well. Wow. Lot to manage, lot, a lot of lot of uh, time in keeping an eye on things, keeping an eye on all of our uh, packaging and inventory. And, uh, you know, the, the manufacturing is, I, I have a good partner, Ralph Montero, who uh, keeps an eye on all of the, uh, you know, the quality control and all that kind of stuff. Does a great job for me. Well, Ralph's a super talented guy. Um, do you travel a lot to Central America to to, to I, I don't as much as I used to. No, you know, I have such a good system in place, or I shouldn't say that. I have a great, a good system in place, and it's been working for years. I, I travel more annually now than frequently, like a guy like Saka or somebody like that. I know I need to get back to it, and uh, that's part of the plan for the upcoming uh, year and in ahead is more travel, more uh, creative uh, projects getting done. We have uh, some opportunities to do some collaborations right now with a few different people, and uh, so there's some travel planned for that. And also hit getting back on the road. You know, uh, COVID kind of slowed things down with uh, the travel for the brand with our retail partners. Now it's time to, uh, this fall, get back on the road and uh, make it happen. It's, it's nice to be able to work with multiple manufacturing partners because you can really, you know, have a very diverse range of profiles 
with your cigars. I mean, you want to just give our any of our listeners who might be unfamiliar with your brands where each line kind of falls? Well, the WK series is probably our mildest. Uh, it, it does uh, feature that Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper. It's a nice creamy blend. Uh, you know, upper mild, re- very smooth. Uh, that's made at the Raices factory. Our original series, we actually changed factories uh, due to some problems we had with uh, obtaining the, the wrapper. Uh, we used that Brazilian Matafina on the original series. That's made at Jesus Fuego's factory in Nicaragua. And it's a five-country blend of tobaccos. It's a true medium-bodied cigar with a lot of uh, nice aromatic uh situation uh you know what i'm trying to say jesus yeah, uh it's funny we're just talking about it and there's an ad for the jc newman factory tour how about that oh uh, if, that, if that's not karma or kids because that's not planned if that's not serendipitous right there i don't know what is <laughs> that's right well hopefully next year i'm advertising that same thing Abe. there you go but uh yeah our factory 57 was our answer to a little bit richer fuller body blend and uh that used a Nicaraguan uh, Jalapa wrapper that we, but it's still made in Honduras at the TDO, uh, Tobacco's de Oriente, which is a Placencia family. And then our 1874 series is our other Nicaraguan made cigar with the Placencias. And uh, they've been making that for, I, I believe it's about 12 years now. I know you get hate to ask this question. I'm sure you've been asked it a hundred times. Which is your favorite? That is a good question. You know, does it change? It does. And I, it happens to me too. Things will change, and my favorites will change. Currently, yeah. let me rephrase that. Currently, which is your favorite? Currently, I've been smoking the 1874 series. It's uh, we repackaged the the brand about two years ago, and I started smoking it more often. We we made a couple uh, changes to the sizes because I like a narrower ring gauge cigar and. Uh, I guess I've been really leaning towards that a lot lately. It's a uh, it's our it's a Nicaraguan blend, but it uses an Indonesian uh, binder leaf that we use a little bit of different process in the fermentation of that, and that gives it a little bit of sweetness. I, I wanted a cigar that didn't taste like everybody else's Nicaraguan cigar, so it's uh that's what I've been smoking most. But also this uh this was a PCA exclusive we made. The uh, Hustler Five and Dime series, and uh, Jesus Fuego made this. It has, as you you may or may not know, the Hustler series is a striped cigar. It uses a uh, Matafina and Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper. Wow, I've never it's heard used two oh, Maduro. Right. This has got a uh, two Maduro leaves, and it's uh, also a striped cigar. But even though it's hard to see, it uses a uh, Brazilian Habano Maduro and uh, Mexican San Andreas. And Abe, you were the first. What are you one saying, to Abe? I said I never heard anyone describe it as striped. I mean, it's common. In oh, the instead country. of the fancy barbers. That's barber what pole? they call barber pole. It's like the standard yeah. term. You know I, what, Abe? I'm not a. I'm. I'm funny about that. I'm not a fan of that term. I like I'm, it. I like striped. I think striped's less tacky than barber pole. Yeah. I like we, it. You know, when we, there's a, a little story I'll tell you about that. We came out with a Hustler series. And we made that cigar by accident, basically. We were blending with some Connecticut and some Matafina. And one of the guys put a stripe of Connecticut on it and lit it up. And 
he's like, wow, this is really good. And uh, it, it had a unique appearance. We were not looking to do a striped cigar. And at the time, the only real striped cigars on the market were the Fuente uh, Between the Lines and then gimmicky bundle cigars on vacation. So I rolled the dice and gambled. I can't think of another one really that was in the market at that time. And uh, it actually became a huge hit at the trade show. I was crapping my pants as people approached. I was literally sweating and shaking when people are going to ask you what's new this year. And I'm going to show them this striped cigar that wow. <laughs> I didn't have a lot of confidence in. Well, the blend will fool it's, you. It's though. subtle though. It's very subtle. Well, on this it's one it is, but right? on the regular hustler, it's not very subtle. It's, no, it's... It, you know, you hear people talk about the, uh, the using blue. No, no, I couldn't think of anybody that had a blue band. So you're seeing the five and dime now. The regular hustle, we put it in a bright blue box with a blue and red band, and we made a striped cigar, which was kind of like uh, unheard of at the time. And uh, we, we got pretty lucky with the success of it. Good on you. Listen, we've got a lot more coming up in hour number two with our good friend Kirk Kendall from 724 Cigars. We're going to test his musical acumen and name that jam. We're going to also have our normal, there it is, our normal edition of Scoop with Coop, Tale is Tape Season 5. We're on episode number 6, coming to the end. And also our Would You Rather segment. A lot in hour number 2. Don't go anywhere. Keep it lit. Romeo and Julieta Reserva Real is introducing a twisted love story and a twisted Toro. These cigars are in addition to the original Reserva Real line. What we've done is added a two wrapper combination, looking like a barber pole or a Dos Capas. Now the wrappers that they're using is an Ecuadorian and a Connecticut shade, giving it that wonderful hinted flavor notes of cream with a little bit of woodsiness added to it. But the nice thing it does to it also is adds great depth into the flavor. The binder and the filler are still the same using a Nicaraguan binder and a Dominican and Nicaraguan fillers. So you still get that wonderful array of what you know as a Reserva Real, but you've added some depth into it. Now the Twisted Love Story and the Twisted Toro are the only two sizes that will be available in this line. This is a, a cigar that's iconic to the Reserva Real name, but giving it its just due in something that's fun and innovative. With that, go out and enjoy your own twisted love story. Explore the unexplored with St. Louis Ray Carenas. Set sail to discover an extraordinary Honduran cigar deeply anchored in tradition. The St. Louis Ray Carenas features a Nicaraguan wrapper cloaked over 100% Honduran tobacco that make up the binder and filler. The St. Louis Ray Carenas, in the Toro size, received a 93 rating in Cigar Aficionado and was featured in their illustrious Top 25 Cigars of 2021 list. The St. Louis Ray Carenas is available in four different sizes, a Robusto, Toro, Velicoso, and Magnum. So get ready to take a trip back in time to experience the heritage of St. Louis Ray with the St. Louis Ray Coranus.
phenomenal. If I, <laughs> first of all, I didn't know phenomenal no, was don't, at don't, the don't, end don't, of the Mardi Gras. Don't say anything, Paul. Phenomenal don't, is at the end of the Mardi Gras thing. Just don't, don't say anything, Paul. There's really wow. no point because why we would even have a meeting to discuss anything is just pointless. We, we literally, <sighs> literally told you what order to play the commercials in and why. I and have them in that order. And you do something completely different. And to answer your question, okay, Quentin, we actually told Paul last night, going into every commercial break, we should just start it with that phenomenal segment because it's just so good, makes everybody happy. You're and not it, curious to know his why? Uh, no, I mean, I can't, really, I can't, I can't, I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you. It's always some bullshit. I'm not saying I mean, seriously. But what I don't get is, like, this wasn't last week we talked about. It. We talked about it at six o'clock last night. Four o'clock last night. Four o'clock, whatever. You can't even get that part right. It's mind boggling. I'm so terrible. It's just mind boggling. It's just mind boggling. If I paid you by performance, you'd make five dollars every show. <laughs> Anyways, talking about being serendipitous, I mean, I don't know what commercials are playing when, but how about that? We're literally talking about a barber pole and we go right into the Romeo Twisted Toro yeah. commercial, right? What's Nuts. the love story? Well, well they got two sizes. They're making a Toro and then a little perfecto called Love, love story. story. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one, but we'll see what happens. Um, that being said, How's your musical acumen, Kurt? I'd say mediocre at best. What's what's your genre? Probably classic rock. You you would think. So um, we got a segment here sponsored by good friends over at Our Cigars, perpetually making music with some of the finest tobaccos in the world. Um, we're gonna see. We're gonna test your acumen right now and see, Kurt, if you can name that jam. <laughs> simple here we're gonna play you three second snippet of a song and we're gonna see if you can name that jam you ready buddy i'm ready let's hit it i got that one it's your genre kurt born to be wild you know what i i'll give him props on that one because it could be confusing it could be confusing. Let's, let's play it one more time. You still want to stick with that one, Kurt? I'm, I'm, I'm playing it out in my head. Jeez. It's so easy when I listen every Saturday, I get most of them. <laughs> How true I am that? a real listener and, and libertarian, but uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't have to stick with a that. Lot of... All right, let's let's see right what... band, wrong song. Yeah, let's see what let's see yeah. what they... yeah. don't know what we can find. Why don't you come with me, little girl, on a magic call? There you have it. 
One of my favorite songs. I love that song. Kurt, I'm sorry, my friend, but you were unable to name that jam. Once again, brought to you by our good friends over at Avo Cigars, quintessentially making music with fine tobacco. All right. We, 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 were, we closed out the break. We started talking about your five and dime, your exclusive PCA cigar. You had a PCA cigar again this year. Which one was that? We did. We made a cigar from the original series. It's called the Grand Perfecto. It's our first production-made box press cigar. It's going to be a 6 by 56 Perfecto. We're, uh, we're kind of sticking with some of the history of the brand. It's a Perfecto box press. Yes. Interesting. I actually have them right here. I don't know why I have this here. Right, because Paul, Paul doesn't have a picture, so thank you. Probably can't see it very well. Oh, Maybe in a 10-count box. You wanted to have something unique, something different. I haven't seen a lot like that. And uh, we challenged uh, Jesus Fuego to uh, see what he could do with that. And uh, I thought they came out really good. We showcased them at the show. And uh, we started production uh, right before that and, uh, and then continued afterwards. So we're hoping uh, they'll be out in the fall. We'll see what happens. Yeah, timelines are still rough, huh? It is. It's tough. The PCA exclusive we showed off in 2021, which the cigars were made, didn't come out until 2022. And uh, that's what this five and dime is. And uh, it, it was a challenging year trying to get things made, trying to get printing done, trying to get things on schedule really hard. And Because uh, there's a lot to it. It's not just, uh, you know, you make four phone calls, you get things done. It's got to all you know, correspond together at the, at the right timing. So, unfortunately, uh, it didn't work out on the best time frame, but the cigars came out, and uh, they're really good. Kurt, you made a cigar for the Connoisseur Club that was very well-received. Uh, is that something we might see coming down the pipe? That is. I was going to tell you guys about that. So, that was another box press cigar, and it was a pure okay. one different. Let me just explain yeah. our connoisseur club to some of the people who were watching and don't know what it is. Um, a couple of years ago during COVID, I kind of came out with this idea because, you know, being in retail in my years, I, I see the psychological walls that people build around brands and don't try things or, or, or like things sometimes just based on name. So we came up with this pretty unique program. Uh, we ran it for two years, so we're coming on the tail end of it now september and september october november december are going to be the last months of it and then it kind of goes away it ran its course but we asked manufacturers to make small runs of unique blends for consumers to try and we send five cigars out monthly and they're banded you know one two three four five with the connoisseur club band they don't know who made it they don't know what it is they get about a month to smoke them and then we do this reveal where the manufacturers, we show a video, they tell you, who, you find out who makes it and you find out what it was made with, unless it's Matt Booth, because then you never get a story straight no matter what. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it really was something enjoyable. It was a lot of work, a lot of work for us, a lot of work for the manufacturers to make such a small run of something special and get them in on time. And a lot of them helped to put our bands on them. The rest we had to run to Miami. But uh, Kurt wasn't in it last year he was in it this year and um his cigar was very well received and talked about so i'll let you take the show from here kurt 
Yeah, that was a unique blend. We uh, we challenged some of our uh, factories to create some unique blends for our anniversary projects coming up. So that was one that I really enjoyed. I I was pleasantly surprised with the the, the way that blend of tobacco smoked, and it was at the time our first box press consideration. Uh, this other one that I just talked about, the uh, Grand Perfecto, is uh, the second one. So. We wanted to showcase it and try it with your audience, and pleasantly surprised. Uh, a lot of we got a lot of good feedback from that, so we are planning that for a future project uh, coming out soon. Did you have an aversion to box press cigars, Kurt? Why hadn't you made one before? No, you know, throughout the years, trying to be creative, trying to make uh, unique products, line extensions, new series extensions. It's always a challenge to try to figure out what to do. I just never really considered making a box press cigar uh, because I, I didn't really smoke a lot of them. Okay, it, okay. You know, selfishly, uh, not that I wasn't a fan, it just wasn't in the in my mind. So we never really made one. And then as we're trying to make now, box press for our anniversaries coming up for Twins 25th and 150th. That, that's when we started experimenting with that stuff. So the, that came gonna, out of the rice factory. Are you going to have a big event on your retail shops for your 25th? We are, yeah. It's coming up in June. Okay, so, so it's, it's coming up, it's coming up uh, next year in June. Next year in June, yes. Great. Yeah, it'll be our uh, big 25th anniversary party. It's, uh, you know, as I get to witness some of your parties and some of the other ones around the country, I've got some pretty good ideas on how to have a big bash and uh, have some fun probably not as many people as yours Abe but because you I'm so impressed with that event but anyways uh Thank we're you. gonna have a big one have some fun you gonna you gotta let people buy tickets to drive some of your classic cars around the block uh, <laughs> well maybe we'll give one away we might give one away. oh there you go there you wow go. I gotta say it is it's it's always nice to see like guys like Kurt come to TGS just to hang out and be part of and, and and just be there no intention just hanging out i, I always appreciate that i like that oh, it's fun I, I, got it. an, I got an old old picture um of one of our early tgs's when we were still doing it in west palm up in front and i think it was me kurt rick ardito jose garcia was it Jose Garcia? I couldn't remember the four. I gotta see if I can dig that old picture up. There's an old. I don't even think you had a beard at that picture. Uh, that we didn't. Yeah, that was pre-beard. But yeah, that, yeah. Is, that is a good photo. Yeah, Kurt, Kurt, Kurt's kind of you know came down. And it was great to see him, and uh, you know we just we just got close over the years. Got a lot of respect for Kurt. Got a lot of respect for what he does, and uh, I, I'm I'm happy, and I'm gonna actually try to make it down next June and uh, be there on your 25th. We haven't traveled much up in that part of the country, so it'll be good to get out that way and just check it out, hopefully. Hey, do you see that oh, white house behind you? That's, uh, here's your official invitation for you and your family to come, stay in that house, relax. Hard to see. I see you. You've invited us up there, man. It's gorgeous. Yeah, you got to oh, come man. up and relax, man. You said, a lot of you said a lot family. Of that could be dangerous, bro. That's I all right. I, I welcome it. I, there's nothing <laughs> better than watching kids and families enjoy this property. So I really hope you take me up on it. Well, listen to me. 
I definitely want to, but I need to see. I, I know your position. I need to come up there when you're not planning your 25th anniversary so we can actually hang because yeah. I know how that is. You know, th- you know, that's what's great because like, my dad has not missed a great smoke since, since the beginning, but he's just smart enough to know he doesn't call me. He doesn't say where I'm at. He doesn't ask me what I'm doing. When he comes down for the great smoke, it's, it's not like he's coming to visit us. He's coming down for the great smoke and because, you know, we're, we're going nuts at that time. You know, I mean, we're running rampant. I don't have time to host or, you know, wonder what you're doing. And, and you know, it's I, I get that. But we're definitely coming down. Definitely coming down one way or another. So I, 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 you invited us a long time ago, and I'm definitely going to take advantage of that. The June June in New Hampshire will uh, it'll change your uh, – seriously change your life. It's gorgeous up there in June and July. That's the oh, time really? to be there. Perfect. November's a little rough. Perfect. Yeah, but, but June is great. Bad. It's January, February, March. By March, <laughs> just, you know, you don't even know what you're thinking. So, one of the few, as one of the few retailers who really managed to to be a successful retailer and a successful brand owner, um, where do what do, what part do you find more challenging, and why? You know, I'm a true entrepreneur, so I love that side of it. I love coming up and creating things, creating ideas, and following through. The biggest challenge is trying to build your team and get everybody on the same page. Get the, uh, you know, I have a great team right now where we do very well, but getting professionals that want to come to work uh, and live and breathe this industry is a challenge. I'm not the best leader. I've never claimed to be a great manager. So I've always struggled with that part of the business. But the uh, the creative side of it and uh, watching people come and experience our facility, our bars, all of our, uh, you know, we do a lot of whiskey and tequila picks and uh, all that kind of stuff. That's, uh, that's really big for me. You know, our latest project has been... Uh, getting into the pipe tobacco business and we've created a few uh, 724 briary blends and to watch what we just grew recently of a large pipe group which I never thought really existed <laughs> customers uh, I was never uh, I never really wanted to get into that category but we have built such a, an amazing group of pipe smokers that uh, we've teamed up with uh, Cornell and Deal and uh, Jeremy Reeves, and we've uh, created some new 724 pipe blends. So that's kind of exciting. And to watch the response and the people. Like, we had a three-day pipe event, Abe. Wow. Uh, three weeks ago. I can't imagine a three-hour pipe event. amazing. <laughs> we did a, a meet and greet with Steve Saka and Jeremy Reeves. Jeremy's the one that worked with Steve on his uh, – Stillwell Star yes. brand. Right. Uh, then we did a, a cigar dinner and a pipe show. <laughs> and uh, for me to be saying that, you know, I got to give kudos to my uh, manager, Dan, who put this all together. He did a great job. And the, and the 724 pipe tobaccos will be coming to the market soon. Wow. God bless. You know, at one point in our career, we were really into. Okay. So. I, we, we sold a lot of pipes, a lot of pipe tobacco when I first got in the business. And then it just slowly faded out and slowly came out of everyone's, everyone's shop. And then 
one of the stores I acquired halfway into, you know, my career was big in selling pipe tobacco, not only big mixing it. So for a period there, not only did we get back into selling pipe tobaccos, we had our own house blend. We had this big room upstairs and once or twice a week, the kid would go up there and we'd make whatever varieties we were selling at the time. And we had to buy the little, oh yeah, we had to buy the little metal tins and we had the labels and we were making our own pipe tobaccos and tins and that went on for a while. And then as soon as the OTP tax down here got stupid, like, you know, black and miles, it used to be like two bucks to buy became like nine bucks to buy. It just was crazy. Um, That whole thing just died out here. Do you sell pipes and pipe tobacco at all? No, right? I don't think so. We stopped making our own um, because we used to make it in Pompano. Um, When we stopped making our own pipe tobaccos and and the the OTP tax here in Florida on pipe tobacco just went through the roof. I mean, literally, see, but Black and Mild was like the the, you know cheap stuff you got at Walgreens. You paid like two or three bucks for it. It became like eight bucks, seven eight bucks. Wow! What? So um, yeah, it just kind of killed it here. I can imagine that up by you, Kurt. There's a there's a good amount of pipe smokers though, especially like. I like to smoke a pipe in crisp, cool air. Like I, we, I, my buddies and I used to have a tradition. None of us were big smokers. We'd smoke cigars once in a while, but like on the first really cold night of winter, we'd go on the beach at the house I was living at the time on Long Island, and we'd you know walk out to the beach, and everybody would light up a pipe, and like it's just one of those like cold weather things, you know. Did you ever smoke it through your tailpipe, Paul? <laughs> no. <laughs> But I bet my wife's old roommate did. I, I do have to answer Kevin Shahan. Um, yeah, Kevin, in the first 10 minutes of the show. Yes. And then he auctioned her off. Literally. <laughs> have you mentioned that my wife's a sommelier? Yes. It finds yeah, its way. About 18 minutes in. Yes, it finds its yeah. way every episode, regardless. <laughs> no, listen, there's, there's still a pipe culture. It obviously is still out there. Unfortunately, it's not growing as fast as it's dying, probably, like literally. Um, uh, but it's funny because most of the pipe smokers here in South Florida exist further north. I don't know any of our, you know, competitors or guys in my business, our industry, kind of in our area who sells pipes or into pipes. I think Bennington's that closed down maybe 10 years ago, maybe eight, nine, 10 years ago. They're kind of the last expansion of, of, of pipe sellers here. But as soon as you get past Port St. Lucie and you hit Fort Pierce or Vero Beach, it becomes alive again. Um, there was a place a little bit north of us in Stewart that used to do it. I don't know if they still do, but it, it's kind of up north. And I think it's because they're older, you know, older cities or communities. So I, I don't know, but I don't see it. I don't see it flourishing. I don't see it coming back i just kind of see it as it's going to be a lost art eventually is nobody knew or i mean look let's face it i used to be in pipes i had three or four pipes in my house and if you really get into pipes you'll learn a lot of things that make it not easy to smoke a pipe you know you're not really supposed to work it's work it's a job um Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to smoke the same pipe in the same day right you know so if you want to have like two pipes a day or whatever, unless it's a corn cob pipe, then you can burn it out. It doesn't matter, right? So um, it's a, it's it's a little bit of a, of a job and a passion to be a pipe smoker. And um, of course, our world is faster, quicker. You know, I don't know any of the new generation is going to pick any of this patience and and the the, the 
systematic kind of process to really become or enjoy a pipe smoker. I, I, I just see, see it becoming a lot. I don't know, man. There's a, there's a big hipster pipe movement. Like a, a lot of these younger hipster types smoke pipes. I see. I don't know if you're seeing that up by you, Kurt, but that's, that's my experience with it. I know a lot of, I felt the same exact way. And now I am completely blown away with what we're getting out of this. Well, see, here's what happens when you have something that's dying off like this, or it's not in abundance, it doesn't take much if you really put effort in to tap into that community because there's not a lot of options on where they'll be catered to. So I think that's one of the reasons you found it very successful because not many people, because of the way you and I think, are going to invest their time and their effort to try to cultivate tapping into this segment that without a doubt still exists. So when somebody does, they're coming to you and they're going to find you because there's not that many options. So it's interesting. And kudos to your manager who thought about putting that together. Yeah, yeah there's no one around us other than going to Boston is where you can get any pipe tobacco other than Captain Black. So reluctantly, I agreed to uh, make a small investment to give it a try. And it's, it's done really well. To the point where we want to put our name on a pipe tobacco. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm not personally smoking yet, but uh, I plan to try it. Or at least no, we got to try it, it a on a crisp, smoke. cool night. Listen, I, I enjoyed it when I did it, and especially when you get to the point where you really can learn how to keep it lit for a while and you don't have to relight it right. times. You know, that's that's the hard part. That's the hard part. <laughs> well, part of pipe. building a good carbon wall. I mean, it's it's it's, it's like I said, it's a process, yeah. man. You got to be committed to the process of pipe smoking, and you know. You know, young hipster stuff, and I don't know where Paul is exposed to any young hipsters, but anyways, young hipster <laughs> stuff is, it, you know, tends not to last. So, um, yeah, I, I think it was a great idea. Kudos to you. Um, anything you got coming up, Kurt, that we may have not covered that you want to hit on? No, I think we covered everything pretty well. You know, uh, I, I appreciate being able to talk about all these things, and sometimes it's hard to remember it all, but, you know, I'm grateful to <laughs> – be into our 25th year, which we talked about, the blends and the new stuff coming out, the, our pipe tobacco, etc. You know, it's not easy to follow. Uh, who do you have on Luciano and Zaya and guys like Matt Booth <laughs> and all these? The, the conversations coming out of those shows were amazing. And uh, thinking about trying to follow those guys like at a comedy club uh, was, was tough, man. Listen, every every show is a different personality. You know, like I said, when we when we first created the show, our idea and our concept, we didn't want to be educators, informers, reviewers, any of that stuff. Our whole idea was let's try reenact what would happen when we sit around our cigar shop and talk all day. Right. And that's all we do. We get our friends on, our guests on, and we try to talk. Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's extremely educational, or sometimes it's a little slow. It's all you know, like real life. That's all you could do. Um, as always. We have our educational time, which is handled by our contributor, and uh, we have a very special guest filling in for our good man, William Cooper, this week. Let's run it. It's time for The Scoop. Hey, yo, what's my theme music? The Scoop with Coop. Breaking industry news. Hear it first on KMA Talk Radio and cigar-coop.com. You know I'm going to play false start. I was saying, you know, I say the segment title. Sometimes you do, time. sometimes you don't. No, 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 hey. no, no, no. 
Go watch, find me any episode where I don't say play. time for the scoop with Coop before the intro's played. Such a anyway. premature ejaculator, man. <laughs> we have a very special guest. As you can I see, said, that's I'm not going to stop there. Good morning, gentlemen. Garrett. Found out. We have good morning. Robinson of How about that cigar? Garrett, thank you for filling in for our good man, William Cooper, this week. How you doing? I'm doing well. It's a, it's an honor. Uh, Abe, I'm in uh, your hometown of Chicago um, in a brand new shop that's being built out currently in the southwest side. So, What city? Uh, um, what city are we in? <laughs> love it. I love I'll, it. I'll get there. Um, no worries. It's, uh, so it's called Blue Label. We are in, um, Lockport. Oh yeah, I know where Lockport is. How long are you in Chicago for? Uh, till tomorrow. Any, squeezing in any good eats while you're there? So we actually found this hole in the wall Thai restaurant um, in um, Forest Park, and it has become my hidden gem um, in Chicago. I absolutely love it because when I ask for it Thai hot, they bring it Thai hot. They don't see the white guy and they're like, okay, sure. Are you? you, (laughs) I know. I hate that, right? Right. Are are you? um, So you're really into Thai? Love Thai. Namsad or Lab? So I I'm actually a Pad CU guy. Oh, okay. And then um and then I'm a sucker for any of the red curries. Yeah, I love I love me a good Namsad salad. Lab is yep. kind of similar but kind of different. So some people right. like one or the other, but I think the peanuts and the extra crunch of a Namsad I enjoy a little bit more. Agreed. No, I, I love the salad. It's, it's funny you mention it because I haven't had Namsad or Lab for like four years, three or four years. And I just got in a kick Bro. the other day. And Alex, who's in my office. I, I just don't there. understand the enjoyment of, I oh, mean. I love it. No, no, no. Listen, uh, Thai hot, whatever that is, is what Abe had the other. I mean, literally eating. Oh, oh. <coughs> no, and I would ask And oh. your face, when, you're, when your <laughs> lips tingle while you're eating That's and your it. eyes I, are watering. I agree with Garrett. You know, typically when you order hot, it's never hot. Like, like if, if if they have an option one, two, three, four star spicy, I always pick four, and sometimes that's not even hot. So I, I ordered off yep. the delivery service, and they didn't have an option. There wasn't like mild, medium, three, four star. It just came one way. So I just put in the comments spicy, please. Holy shit! They sent it ten. <laughs> they sent it freaking ten. I was hi <coughs> hot. But, but Alex is looking at me. He's like, How can you keep eating it? I said, It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> yeah. It's I rough later. It. It's rough later, but it's worth it. It's good. It's it the is. meal you get to enjoy twice. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, there's a you, there's a place there's a place not too far from uh, from you there, Abe. Actually, I guess it's closer to our houses. But uh, you ever go to Malacor? No. Oh man. There's a the Malacor. It's actually, I, it's not close to us. It's uh, Northwood, but there's one here too that they just opened a Malacor Express. That's where we get our Thai food from. I don't know if you ever went to, um, shit, I don't know where it's called, but I know where it's at. I don't know if you ever went to the one right where you used to live. Um, it's Forest Hill, and you go just past 441. There's a shopping center on the right that has the uh, ice cream place and the 
pet grooming place and uh, the pottery place. Where the pizza place is? The, the Brooklyn pizza place? No, the that Brooklyn is? Pizza, that big oh, oh, the Brooklyn pizza place is right next to where I live. You lived off of 441, right? Forest Hill, I mean. Forest Hill, right? Well, Forest Hill, Hill, yeah. Forest Hill. Okay, you head west coming out of your old complex. And right after yep. 441, there's a shopping center right there on the right. Okay, okay. It's, I'm trying to think if we've ever been there. It's a little center. There's a Bosque Boscari ice cream place in there, and there's a dry. Cream. I've been in there. Yeah, I've been in there. And there's an Italian. The the Thai place that's in there is one of the best down here. One of the really? best. All right, we'll check yeah. it out. We yeah. do, listen once once a month. We do a big Thai meal once the kids go to bed. That's that's what we that's what we enjoy. And we watch Ninety Day Fiance. There. You literally could have walked there from your old house. Wow! Literally. All right. My friend, Garrett, <laughs> what is the scoop this no, week? No, wait a minute. Just one second. I don't want to hold. Nobody I, even had a, you know, once I in a while on a big night when the kids go to bed, we put the kids to bed and eat Thai food and watch 90 Day Fiance. That's our big. Yeah. Wait, is that show. what you say? Yes. That's the yeah. thing to do when the kids go to bed. <sighs> 90 Day Fiance. Okay. I love trash TV, man. What can I say? You love trash life. <laughs> not just eating off TV tables. If, if Paul meets a trashy, skanky, weird, he is infatuated. Needs to know everything <laughs> about that person. Now, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious if Paul has a cabinet in his bathroom just labeled Abe, and it's filled with antidepressants and anti-anxiety <laughs> meds <laughs> and shots of liquor. Right, uh, Paul. Listen to me. Listen to me. I got a bag of pills here that, that I have, keep under my desk for meetings. If there's one thing that Alex can attest to, I know the limitations of people. Paul is a hardened man after 30 years of being abused by everybody he knows. He is <laughs> adept for this. He lives for In fact, part of Paul secretly thrives on it. He likes being that. It's attention. It's attention. See? Told you. You sound like my therapist. God, dear God. It's the truth. You, <laughs> you love it. Listen. I got two. I got two graphic designers full time in house. One guy I can get mad at if I get upset at if I if I've told him something for the hundred and fifty eighth time and he still hasn't got it. And I'm agitated. I can show him that. The other guy, I walk on eggshells. Hey, how you doing today? Listen, I need you to make a little change. <laughs> you know, I, I, there's no, there's not much you could ever throw at that that would could send it spiraling off in, into the sunset. So everybody's different. But Paul, Paul's got leather hide skin. <laughs> it's true. I really do. I know you do. I really do. But <laughs> well, thanks, right. Garrett, for worrying about me. Absolutely. No, I do. I do. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the the big news this week is uh, well, I mean, there's two things. It's the uh, the NFT, um, the LFD NFTs, the Illusion Bowl. Out of seven, you know, seven of these combined went to $614,779. Money out of nowhere. Half, more than half a million dollars out of nowhere. Listen, I've been wrong. I've been wrong. It doesn't happen often, but it happens. I There's no universe in which I saw this coming. Like, right. Absolutely. There was nothing right. about it that told me this even had a possibility 
of being yeah. successful. I mean, the first one, fine. I asked Alex, I'd open a bidding account because I said, I'm going to bid on the fourth, fifth, and sixth one. Because by then, so you get them at a discount, right? Yeah, gonna who's going to be who's gonna be looking to spend that money? Uh, fourth, fifth, never even believing that the last one would get the most money. Well, no, I said fourth, fifth, and sixth because I expected that on the last one because it's the last one. So if everyone yeah, might get, one, get a little I bit expected more. that would spike up a little bit, but never in my way. I mean, Kurt, come on. Never. Talk here. I mean, is this like is it absolutely nuts reality? Absolutely nuts. Trying to understand it, talking to Carney. I'm sitting, he's trying to sell it to me, and I'm thinking, all right, well, you know, maybe if it hits five grand or something, I'll buy one of these things and have some exclusive cigars for a while, but never in a million years would I have thought. I had done some math on what would have been maybe a sound business move because I'm not buying it for the collector status, I'm not buying it for an NFT, right? I, I did the math on what would be a sound business move. I think my mathematics put it at like 35, 38 might have been an optimal number where you could, it might be a good sound business move. Um, so I really thought by four, five, and six, I might be able to snag one for under 40 grand. Never, ever, ever, ever believing what was going to happen. I can't do the math. I still can't figure out. I, I, listen, I love John Carney. I ain't gonna lie. You can't, mm -hmm. you can't ignore it. So, you know, Alex and I are already talking about what we want to do, and we're going to probably make a press release in the next couple of weeks. Um, we've already been working very hard at it because you're an idiot. Just because I don't understand it doesn't mean I don't see a value in it. So right, um, right. we're going to have some news we're going to break in a couple of weeks. But, I mean, when and, and John has been great. He's been very helpful. He put me in touch with people. Um, but when you listen to him talk about the mathematics, he makes it sound so right. But it's all based on he's putting a $150 price tag on this stick and you don't know if there'll be a secondary market that's going to be that strong or that deep or whether after four months no one's going to be willing to pay thirty dollars for the cigar because at the end of the day everybody everybody knows it was sold for 15 so i just now i'll tell you another shocker which blew me away right when we were talking last night he was telling me there was a lot of confusion amongst the buyers i said what were they confused about he goes they didn't realize that they could get the cigars in per perpetuity, which means some people were bidding on this, thinking that they were only going to get cigars for one year, which makes it even a more more worse financial, oh, you know, business decision. Man. You know, I'm I'm looking at it as okay, in, in two and a half years, I could probably break even. Two years, one year, you know, based on what I think long term, the secondary market would be on a cigar like that. But some of these people were bidding on this, thinking that they were just going to get those cigars a month for, for one a year. year. So absolutely, I mean, the, you know, one of my mentors, Sal Fontana, I, I love him. I love the guy. Um, I had I had a Sal Fontana moment because um, when Sal was coming toward the end of his life, uh, they did it like Christian and, and Camacho did this kind of really cool little documentary. And he talks about it and he goes, I had two great predictions in my career in the cigar industry. I said that when cigars become over a dollar, the industry would die. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes, and, and when they passed the Cuban embargo, I said it wouldn't last a year. <laughs> and he goes on to grin, close up in the camera. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. And he looks at the camera and he starts grinning and laughing, you know. But it was like a South Fontana moment for me. I mean, how could I have been further from being out of touch and what the possibilities of something like this was? Mind blowing. Oh, and and I'm with I'm right there with you, Abe. I really am. Uh, another story in the cigar industry is there's a, there's a couple people that are having a herf in Colorado, little party, little, 
uh, get together. Maybe heard about it. But are you talking uh, about the Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival? I am. Yes. Did you not want to mention the name on purpose to try to be nice? No, 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 oh, not okay. at all. No, I was just I was being cheeky at best. Okay, I did want to ask. I did want to ask, <laughs> ask Kurt if he has ever uh, attended. Have you ever done the Rocky Mountain Festival? I never have. No, never attended. I was okay. invited years ago, but uh, I've never never attended or participated. Okay, and uh, I haven't I, been there either. Good uh, people. Yeah, it. it um, I wanted to make it this year. My daughter is getting married this next weekend, and so uh, a big trip like that was not in the in the cards for me. So, um, congratulations! Be missing that. Yep. Thank you. I'll tell you a funny story. I, I I had it booked to go twice. Yeah, I thought I, you were going twice. I had it booked to go one time. I was going to go with my operations manager. We were going to go with our wives. And right after there, we were going to go see Mount Rushmore because it's like a six-hour drive. And I'm saying to myself, well, I kind of would like to see it in my lifetime. And when am I ever going to be closer than six hours around Mount Rushmore? Might as well go check it out. But I was literally with Alex and another friend of ours at a monster car fest in Sunrise. And the week before we were supposed to leave, and I get a call. My wife collapsed at, at Target. And I was like, What? So I literally threw them my car keys because I drove and I'm like, I'm taking an Uber. I left my son with them and she ended up being in the hospital for five days. We ended up couldn't make a trip. So it's 2024 or bust. We're going to really try to make it down because I've traveled the country. I've been to a lot of these cigar events, most of them, most any of them that are reputable enough that I've heard of them. And um, that's one that I've always heard positive things about. I really wanted to go check it out. Um, twice we couldn't make it, but next year I'm going to really, really try to make it. Yeah, so those are the two big stories right now. And then a uh, third story outside of cigars is uh, Magnus Carlsen, the current uh, world champion and number one chess player in the world, won the FTX Crypto Cup. Um, oh, we're, we're going there, Paul. We're going we're going into chess nerdum. You're just going to have to live with it. Look at, um, look at Alex. He's all excited. So... We know that Magnus is not going to, um, um, he's not uh, competing. He's not going to go for, to retain his, his world title. Um, but his next, uh, what he wants to do is he wants to, he's already had the highest rating that has ever been achieved, which is he's at, um, 2876 and he wants to hit 2900 and the thing that i really respect about well, him you gotta is, give us you gotta give us some tangible understanding here 24 <laughs> points i don't know is that one more chess game or is it like no five more years of level, no no it's probably you know i would say 200 or more chess games on a favorable um wow. trajectory um did you see the other big news garrett um chess.com bought play magnus i did not yes chess.com has bought play magnus why am i having flashbacks of alex and coop having boxing conversation in our <laughs> we totally planned this by the seriously it's brutal any any other news of relevance <laughs> garrett I mean, that's relevant news. That is very relevant news. It was also down in Miami FTX Cup, but unfortunately, tickets were like $400. So I that's as relevant as Papa Smurf shaved his beard. 
not listening. I don't know. An $82 million sale of Play Magnus is pretty significant. What is Play Magnus? Play Magnus is a group of uh, websites and platforms that Magnus Carlson owns, chess-based platforms. And chess.com. You play chess on it? Yes, you play chess, you learn chess. He has a bunch. He bought so Play Magnus bought up a bunch of the smaller websites and platforms. And chess.com is essentially like the Coca-Cola of chess platforms. And they, and bought, they bought Play Magnus. Yeah. yeah, I've I've used chess.com. I, I have a I mean I I've that's if you want to play chess online, you go to chess.com to my knowledge. Have, have you and Garrett played each other, Alex? Yeah, we played a little bit, a couple of blitz games, a couple of rapid games at uh, the after party, Great Smoke. Just happened to be some guys out there. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Board. I saw that. Yeah. yeah uh, Garrett's right, a much Quentin, better right, Quentin, they're making me ask questions. We're getting off this topic. <laughs> you know, drawing my ass, and I'm starting to ask questions about goddamn chess. Gary, you were a tournament player. Just real quick for context. What was your what was your highest rating? 1815. Right. So Magnus Carlson is essentially a thousand, thousand points. points. Yeah, right. almost 2,000. Mm-hmm. And 1815 is extremely high. I mean, that's, you know, you're a couple hundred off of IM master level, right? Yeah. Wait, wait, hold on. Do you have a rating, Alex? I don't have like a fee day rating. I mean, chess.com, I'm, I'm about a 1275, which maybe in a real world tournament chess play would be what? In the 1100s, thousand maybe. So I think, yeah, so, played, I think when you played Garrett, he schooled you. I played uh, well. It wasn't a schooling. No, Alex has a really good, um, solid foundation of chess, and I and I saw that in in early play. So, no, solid player, and it just it it literally takes years. But they say if you don't start playing chess by the age of ten, you'll never get to master level. Oh, geez. Huh. Just just a side note. Garrett is literally l- literally the only person that I know that I can text exciting things about chess with and get a response that matters. Yeah. The only guy that I can text chess, like exciting chess stuff. Why right. is there exciting chess stuff? There Absolutely. is. A- <laughs> Ain't that the truth? All right. We got to move on. <laughs> Thank you for stepping in and filling in. We'll the talk about that. The club. For our man. Cooper That's it. But throw that back up there. <laughs> Check out, <laughs> check out more from the great guys over at HowAboutThatCigar.com. Um, Alex, you got that code ready while we got people on? We want to forget yes, I do. Listen, the break. Listen, we had Kurt on. It's a great show. Talked about cigars. If you haven't had a chance to try cigars, if you're in our awesome Cigar of the Month Club, you would have had some to try by now. But if perchance you're not, we got a discount code for you. Good this weekend, today and tomorrow. Alex, put it up what the code is. Paul? Somebody, Paul. Well, I don't have it. Oh, well, there you go. I texted it to you. Oh, oh, I didn't see the text. <laughs> Anyways, use this code. Anytime I got it. I got it. Tomorrow. Use code 724 to save an additional 15% off. Now, now I just want to make sure we're clear. It's 7. I'm going to put it up there. Right, no the dash. Right 724. No, no, but it's 7204, not 724. Yes. Yeah, seven two zero four. Yes, people are going to put yes. three digits in. It's seven two zero four. Use the code seven two zero four on smoking.com. 
you can save fifteen percent on any one of the varietal of uh, seven twenty four blends we have at Smoke In. So make sure you get that in there. Maybe run that show that one more time before the end of the show. Um, that being said, it's time for our tale of tape, season five, episode six, the movie's greatest villains of all time. Let's see it. All right, here we are. Tale of the Tape, greatest movie villain. Somebody's trying to bang on the door, but I'm going to ignore them. We're on pick number six. And um, this week, we're going to start it with our friend Coop, who uh, is not with us, but managed to get us his pick in through the magic of video. So let's go ahead and see Coop's pick. Hey, everybody. This is Coop here. Sorry I can't be with you this week on KMA Talk Radio, uh, but I am using the power of video to call in my tail of the tape pick. We're at number six this week, and I, I have a feeling sooner or later Abe's going to bash one of my picks. This might be the one he bashes, but I'm guaranteeing you it's not as bad as what the Disney character Paul picked at number six. But my pick for number six is Nurch Ratched from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And, you know, Nurse Ratched, I, some people might not consider her a true villain, but in my opinion, uh, she was. Um, I would say she starts out as the uh, stereotypical battle axe, uh, but she kind of gets more cold-hearted. Uh, she gets a little more evil. And I think the final scenes, um, what she does to uh, some of the patients at the mental institution, uh, namely Jack Nicholson's McMurphy character, I think uh, in particular show how evil she is. And she gets her, um, she gets basically back at uh, McMurphy by uh, ordering a lobotomy on him. So, um, but I think Nurse Ratched, uh, a great villain, and my pick for number six. Look forward to see everybody next week. There you go. I can't play. I couldn't put the the picture over the video. Over the video, reason. yeah. Can Can I go next? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, go next. You should. So that, that once again, as always, Coop couldn't be more wrong. <laughs> I mean, literally, if anybody can be furthest from getting it right, it's typically William Cooper. My number pick six this week is Nurse Ratchet. How about that? Uh, uh, Abe's gonna bust my balls. No, my never pick is. <laughs> um, listen, you cannot help but hate this woman, and it's done so well. She human, she dehumanizes, demoralizes, but she does it in a way it's not the terrible, scary, typical male way. There's no violence, right? And she has this pleasant, pleasant pleasantries that she uses to exert her control, but it it it, it is bone chilling and the the thing about it too is it's all done under this justification that what she's doing is right which makes it worse you know what i mean when you got a guy who's bad or evil and they know they're bad that's one thing this woman thinks she's doing justice so yes she made my top 10 list nurture ratchet one flew over the cuckoo's nest my number six Pick. what a great movie what great. a great movie danny, De danny devito's first uh theatrical role 
Yeah. And you see him in there. He's so young. It's so, so strange to Don't see him so young. <laughs> yeah. All right, and a lot of famous comedians in that. Yeah. Now for the pick we've all been waiting for. Take it away, Paul. Uh, this week, uh, I decided to uh, kind of go with a, a villain that's in the same mindset, you know, uh, kind of psychological. No, she's not. And, uh, no, she's not. He. Oh, he's not. He. There's no way. And uh, I picked uh, Shere Khan from <laughs> The Lion, uh, from uh, The Jungle Book. I'm sorry. Just the, the epitome. The epitome of, of class and evil all in the same vein. <laughs> and there you have it. All right. Later, from- later played in the remake by Idris Elba, actually. Oh, by the way. She also I, did a great job. You talk about a remake. I, I guess, and I just found this out recently, there's a series on Netflix that I think is about Nurse. It's a, it's the origin story. Of yeah, there Netflix. is. There is. I think it's Nicole Kidman. I may be wrong, but I think. I, I got to really. check it out. Yes. I think it's called Nurse Ratchet. Oh. I got to check All right, out. anyway, my number six pick is Anton Chigger from Old Country or No Country for Old Men or no something like the that. the best. Um, just a really great, eerie, very eerie character. His weapon of choice is a, a air gun. Bolt stunner, which is used <laughs> to kill livestock, which almost is like how right. he looks at, at like people – I mean, to the point where, like, he will literally hold your life in a flip of a coin, literally, whether he decides whether you live or die. Just a very eerie character, almost looks at himself as a mechanism of fate. That's a great line right there, mechanism of fate. Well, while we got our guests on, let's ask them. Garrett, top villains come up to your head of all time? You know, who are some of your favorite villains of all time? So before there was Skynet, before we feared the machines, there was a pioneer in uh, the sci-fi villain realm. And my pick would be HAL 9000. Oh, okay. 2001. Yeah, okay. You know, everybody kind of went into this differently. One of my stipulations was I wasn't going to pick a computer, a CGI character. I wasn't going to do an animated character. I wasn't, you know... I was looking for somebody, but definitely Hal is a great villain of movie cinema. How about you, Kurt? Any favorite villains come to mind? You know, I'm not even sure I qualify to participate in this segment. Uh, I'm not a big TV <laughs> or movie guy. Most of the stuff I hear you guys talk about, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> this week, and I don't know if this would qualify, would be the uh, Wicked Witch of the West in uh, The Wizard of Oz. Definitely uh, a worthy villain. A lot of people's first villain. Like yeah, a lot of kids' you know, first villain, true. And that's what I remember as a kid and watched the show year after year, once a year, every year, until you were 13. You know, very, very fitting of you to pick, pick such a classic character. Well of course. Done. Of course. Well done. I'm sir. trying to get a picture of her. That'll be 1230. None, <laughs> no, none of them work with our system. I have a picture of Hal 9000. Listen, yeah. at best, Paul might pop it up in next week's show. Um, yes. while, we, while we got you on, um, Garrett, any guests, anything coming up you want to tell our fans to stay tuned? What do you guys got coming up on How About That Cigar? Um, so we've got Oliver Nouveau of United Cigars oh, coming up. Had him. Yeah, yeah. Um, on uh, Monday night. So that's our next show. And then uh, we're off for the holiday. So... 
Um, yeah, uh, a lot of great guests though cool. lined up. So thank you, Abe. Yeah, check the boys out at howaboutthatcigar.com. And now, Kurt, once again, we're going to put you in the hot seat for our final segment sponsored by our good friends over at Gurkha Cigars. Kurt, we want to know, would you rather? simple questions you just gotta tell us would you rather you ready i'm ready all right first question would you rather have a mullet or a man bun haircut i gotta go straight for the mullet no no choice there it's that's an easy <laughs> one i've already experienced it and i had a so mullet you, you lived through that era i guess yeah yeah i get the reverse mullet now but uh definitely could not do the man bun. I've been watching Max Bickler lately with his man bun, and even Brady. Mullet or ponytail? Uh, I got to stick. I got to stick with a mullet. Uh, you look like a mullet kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's too much of a stretch for you. All right, I, I set you up for this one a little bit, Kurt. Would you rather, if you had to give up one for the rest of your life, would it be lasagna or hamburgers? <laughs> That's that's pretty easy too. Uh, the lasagna's got to go. I love burgers. Yeah, me too. I chase a good burger. I'd rather have a great burger over a steak any day. And uh, that that's my final answer. All right, all right. So the first, the first two are easier. I'm I'm gonna bet my money. This last one might be a little tough one for you. You ready? Mm -hmm. You have to give something up, Kurt. Would you rather it be your car collection or your memorabilia collection? Ooh. Yeah, that's tough. That is tough. You know, I've been surrounded by my memorabilia and signs and really cool stuff for years. I think it would be easier to give that up as it uh, doesn't bring me as much joy as plastic cars, boats, or bikes. So I got to stick with that. There you go. I was, I'm very happy to have contributed to that memorabilia. I found a couple old, old 720, I think one or two, 724 boxes from the original factory, I think, that I got over to Kurt. Yeah, but Abe, you actually got me a box that was a blatant ripoff of the 724 factory with another brand with three numbers with a factory picture. And, yes. Uh, I don't recall yes. the numbers, but it was very close. Yes. Uh, they actually use the same use the same imagery of the building. Yes. Yes. That's huh. a cool piece. It, it's, an, it's an it's an it's an authentic antique knockoff. That's right. <laughs> right. It's, it's a knockoff of an antique. You know, authentic. Well, listen. Thank you, Kurt. It's always enjoyable to catch up and see what's going on. And Garrett, thank you very much for filling in for the man, the coop. Pleasure My seeing honor. you. Uh, we hope we entertained everybody today. We hope you enjoyed it. Great Smokes, where it's in full gear. We have group rates available. You go to thegreatsmoke.com. There's still space left. Um, more news will be coming out as we're going forward. Follow us on social media, Facebook. Join us on Smoking Social, our private group on Facebook. Next week, now this is interesting. 
Um, did you happen, well, either one of you guys go by the uh, drunk chicken cigar booth at the trade show? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't go by, saw it. They happened to be in our shop a couple weeks ago. So we're going to have uh, Desiree from Drunk Chicken Cigars next week. I told her part of the stipulation was she's got to come on the show with a live chicken from her farm. Um, so it should be an interesting show next week. Until then, we hope you all have a great weekend. Keep it lit.